Okay, guys, listen up. Seltzer is all the rage these days, and now there's even hard seltzer. Speaking of which, have you tried Bud Light Seltzer? so good. It's seltzer with a hint of fruit flavor. And get this, it's only 100 calories, two grams of carbs, and less than one gram of sugar. Plus, it's gluten-free. It's perfect for when my friends are bugging me to have a drink with them, and I don't want hard alcohol. I can just have my Bud Light seltzer. Thank you very much. I'm obsessed with the black cherry, but it also comes in strawberry, lemon lime, and mango. I mean, make that sound better. I bet you want to try them all right now, right? This is making me extremely thirsty. Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. something on my mind oh i'm sorry i forgot to ask you that that's okay it's okay it's all right don't feel bad bad no 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 it's fine okay i'm ready to do it myself though uh all right this one's uh this one's important to me so everybody better pay attention (laughs) what (laughs) this one's important to me so this time everything else forget about everybody everybody driving your way to way to work right now or on the treadmill you just pay attention Okay. okay it's about asking for help and first let's get out of the way why this is so important if you think that you're going to accomplish anything in this world without the help of other human beings you're deluded you're deluded and we're a culture of rugged individualists right it's like we celebrate that autonomy you know i do it myself i'm you know my own man my own woman i i can do it by myself and that whole you know it's like the rosie the riveter i can do it (laughs) But the reality is that is utter baloney. And we live in a world with 7 billion people in it. And when you think about what gets in your way of achieving your goals 99% of the time, well, other than our own destructive behaviors, but you've got to work with people. When you work against them, you're going to get doors slammed in your face. You're going to get more, way more no's than yeses. Uh, even if you're a mom, right, and you're just trying to get to the gym, You've got to ask for help, whether it's asking your husband to do more around the house or watch the kids or whether it's starting a carpool group with other moms so you can get a few mornings open to to go to the gym or whether it's asking family members to help you out with the kids so you can find a little personal time. If it's a job or a promotion you want, you've got to ask for that promotion. If it's a, a small business loan, you need to ask for the loan. When you think about it, anything that you want in this world will often be facilitated by the help of other of other people. And I know that that's a tough feeling because it makes you feel out of control, right? It's like, oh, God, well, if I'm, I'm depending on somebody else, that's something I can't depend on. And we get kind of panicked about it. And I've lived in that place for many, many years where... It was like, no, 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 I I control my destiny. I am, you know, this little island and no one's going to tell me no. No one's going to affect my reality. But that just isn't the case. And I began to appreciate as my life progressed personally and professionally that the only way for me to be able to do more with my work or 
start a family is to have help. I, I can't do it all. I can't. And I learned this a long time ago with work in particular. I realized, like, I'm not good at these things. I need help. And I went and found John Carlo and asked him to join me, my business partner. And I think other than the shame of feeling like, oh, help is weakness or we're not worthy or deserving of help. First of all, help is not weakness. It's strength. When you can admit where you're vulnerable and you need support, that's a sign of strength and confidence. Number two, feeling undeserving of help. Think of help as a currency, right? Somebody helps you. They help you get wiser, stronger, better. You go into the world and you pay it forward in one way or another. Mm. So when people help me with my work, I do better at my business. I create jobs for other people. I put information in the world that helps other people get healthy and motivated in their own lives. It's a currency. It's a flow. But you can't give, give, give. You have to receive as well. There's got to be a receiving energy in your life in order for you to continue giving. It's a currency. It's a flow. It's an input. It's an output. If you're not taking in, then you're not truly able to give back. Mm. Think about it. Yeah. You're weak. You, by the way, everyone knows you're spread too thin. You're exhausted. Your kids know. Your husband knows. They're stressed out for you. The coworkers know you're spun. Your boss is worried about you. It's it's not a good place to be. So let's put that one aside. Now, people that disappoint you, right? My business partner has the hardest time with this. He's really like working on learning to ask for help because he micromanages the crap out of everything. And he he just feels like he's got to do it or it won't get done. I've been there before. And the truth is, I'm not going to lie to you. No one's going to care about something as much as you do. Truth. There's truth in that. However, there are people that are going to care enough. And so it's not about asking anybody for help. It's really about taking a look around you and saying, who is capable of helping me with this? Who's open to helping me with this? So you don't set yourself up for oh, that disappointment. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I, I've really, it's a, I need a lot of support in my life with my family, with my work. And I had to do some really serious thing with my business managers, everything. I had to do some really serious thinking about who's going to be the best at helping me with this. What's their skill set? What's their frame of mind? And I need you to be really proactive about who you ask. Because if you're like, oh, I asked and they blew me off or they this or they that. And you get the efforts. Right. Yes. yes. Screw it. Yep. yep. That's exactly right. And you're like, I, and then it, it's like, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. And you get to re repeat that pattern. Well, first of all, when someone doesn't help you, ask someone else. If you ask one coworker and they say no, you ask someone else. And you will get there, by the way. You just keep exploring the situation with different people. I can't tell you how many times help has been refused to me. People haven't agreed to work with me on something or help me with something. I just kept pushing, and ultimately I found the help where I was meant to find it. Here's another one. Let's say you ask for the help, or you've recruited someone to help you, or you've hired someone to help you, but they're not cutting it. For whatever reason, then you feel guilty Selling them that it's not working. Right. Yeah. I cannot tell you, and this is a, I don't, I don't care. Think what you're going to think about this. I had one assistant, Rosie, who I loved, who was with me forever. And Rosie decided she wanted to go to business school, right? After years. And we, in the interim, had tried a couple second assistants. 
and they just didn't being assistant is not an easy job. I'll tell you right now, it is not easy. And they just didn't work out for whatever reason. So, you know, we didn't work out, let them go. And then I tried two assistants after Rosie and they didn't work out. I remember getting the emails that if oh you my want God. to get in touch with, uh, you know, about certain things. That, and I, would, I was very intrigued by the, the new person. Every time. Every time. Every time. <laughs> I know. And it, it's and I would feel bad about it. Right. I was like, oh, God, I really hate to do this. It's just not working. But I, I did what I needed to do. Hey, and ultimately, yeah. it's like if they weren't good at the job, then it wasn't the right job for them anyway. And I just kept asking. And so and then I really after like, you know, I went through I have a second assistant, Cody, who I love, who's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he makes my life beautiful. Right. So I still needed a first assistant and I stopped and thought about it. I'd now been I've been I was like, dear God, I mean, I just I've got I can't send out one more email that I have a new new assistant. I got I got one more in me. This is getting embarrassing. You know, because it does, it started to reflect upon you. Well, people, that's the problem is that we... I'm kidding. No, but, but, but we think that it does. Yeah, well, it, yeah, exactly. I even didn't even want to tell this story because people are going to be like, oh, I see. You just, you're she's never ty- happy. She's a tyrant. You're that's never why. happy, right. Or even like when I, you know, I quit loser and then I quit the doctors and it's like, oh, she's never happy. Who does she think she is? And it's like, it wasn't the right. Neither yeah. one ended up being the right opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. And so... This time I was like, all right, let me think about this. And I've always remained really close with Brittany from season five. And, you know, she just she was kicking butt and taking names, working in casting and ambitious, extremely ambitious and always has had my back. Right. Just will randomly send me emails about like, you know, you need to do this with your Facebook or you need to know that this is going on or, you know, whatever. And I was like, this is a kid that's smart. She's ambitious. She's totally got my back. She's loyal to me. I know I can trust her completely. I know she cares about what she does. And I thought about it. I really stopped and thought, all right, I'm going to stop with the crazy. Who's the right person for me? And I ended up hiring Brittany. And I've been lucky. It's been great. But my point is just don't stop asking for help until you get it. Don't be ashamed if you if you need to move on. Don't feel guilty if you need to move on. Because my business partner's like, I ask people and they screw it up. I'm like, you're not asking the right people then. Then you need to look at who you're asking for help and what, you know, if you ask someone that disappoints you, what kind of pattern are you playing out there? And then if it doesn't work, don't dwell in it and sit there and be like, oh, they're disappointing me. Move on. So I'm telling you right now, think about what I've said, because if you want to accomplish anything in your life, whether it's maintaining your own health and happiness as a mom and improving the health and happiness of your kids, ask for help. Whether it's starting a business or advancing in your career, ask for help. And even if it's just, gosh, I don't know, the the depth of your personal relationships, finding vulnerability, dealing with an issue that you've struggled with your whole life, whether it's your weight or your intimacy issues or whatever it might be, if you want to get better quickly (laughs) or do better quickly, you better accept that you have to ask for help. All right, that's it. I'm done. What? No, but it's very true. It, it, you know, often people will say it takes a village, and it really does. You know, <sighs> it really does. Yeah, it does. And there's a reason for that. So use it to your advantage and then pay it forward. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you for help for something, but I'm going to have to really hard. I'm not available. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not available. Move on. <laughs> this well's dry. You know what? All tapped out here. <laughs> You're no. Jerk.
Next segment will be on the power of no. Your lesson. Find somebody else. Find somebody else. Jake, you're up. Jake! Janice, if you ever needed anything, please do not call me. The both of you. Yeah, yeah we're not available. Yeah, yeah right. Whatever. Yeah, you, you, you're gonna go find somebody out in the studio. Help me! <laughs> Help me! It's not gonna happen. Rosemary, heaven restores you in life. You're coming with me through the aging, the fearing, the strife. It's the smiling on the package, it's the faces in the sand It's the thought that moves you upward, embracing me with two hands Right, we'll take you places, yeah, maybe to the beach When your friends say you come crying Okay, your now we're going to talk about foods that fight fat Fat-busting foods This is good stuff Fat-busters Fat-busters, exactly Okay Alright, now, have you heard that green tea fights fat? I've heard green tea does many, many things does everything theoretically fights cancer i say theoretically it's kind of confusing because uh what i understand from doctors who work in something called genomics understanding how uh, food affects your genetics and of course the expression of your genetics it's very complicated because what might cause green tea to turn the breast cancer gene off in me won't necessarily turn it off in you. Okay. And there, we're about 20, 25 years away from being able to essentially look at somebody's genes and say, okay, green tea is going to turn off breast cancer in you. Pomegranate is going to do this for you. So remember that this isn't unilateral, okay. of course, but the studies will suggest and show that these foods can affect our genes in positive ways. So let me explain. Green tea has been shown in studies, to essentially slow down how quickly our fat cells take up sugar. And our bodies are that smart. Well, it's not necessarily that our bodies are that smart. It's the way that our diet and our lifestyle affects the expression of our genetics. Oh, okay. So at the same time, if you were to do something and eat something poor, it would ex- affect the expression of your genes in a negative way. You know, for example, I was an overweight kid because I was eating and living differently. Now I sleep more, take better care of myself, eat better, work out, and my genetics are expressing themselves as being leaner, fitter, and stronger. So foods like this, although there is caffeine in green tea, and caffeine in moderate doses has been shown to boost metabolism. And when I say moderate, you don't want to go over 400 milligrams a day. Anything over that can release stress hormone cortisol, blow out your adrenal glands, and that has the opposite effect. But caffeine... Up to 400 milligrams a day has been shown to improve your metabolic function. It's a fat burner, right? So there is caffeine in this, but there's also an antioxidant in it, and it's called EGCG. I always say ECGG. EGCG, not that that matters, but what it does is it inhibits your fat cell's ability to take up sugar. So it helps you not store fat. Little sips, go on. Enjoy. So... A great thing you can be doing throughout your day. No calories in this. Just be sipping your green tea. Tasty. All day. Yep. Well, quite honestly, yeah. Like when a doctor tells you to supplement green tea, the amount they tell you to supplement, it's like five cups a day. It's kind of overwhelming. So it can't hurt to just, yeah, if you can sip it. And by the way, it keeps you hydrated. Hydrated. Exactly. And you get all those antioxidants for the anti-cancer fighting effects. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now. Here's my next one. So, 
<laughs> you know, I always can tell when you're going to make me eat something because you slow down. No, no, it's I'm like slowing down prepare. because I, I wanted to read you the study because oh. I did it. I didn't. I, I didn't just memorize the study. Oh, no. So you you open this while I educate. Okay, so fish oil, right? So. I have to read them the facts on the study. So researchers from the University of South Australia showed that when men combined a supplement of 1.9 grams of fish oils each day with regular aerobic exercise, they lost 4.5 more pounds compared to the men who just did the aerobics. And now this is kind of technical. See, I need to be able to read this. So the theory here is that the fats in the fish oils Activate a group of specific proteins in your cell called PPARs. You said PP. No, no, PP. Just you open your fish oil. And what this does is it interacts with your genes, your genes, and essentially increases the burning of fat for energy. Okay? Once again, we're talking about how food is affecting our genes. That's why. This is the stuff that's got the. Um, I just started. Using this kind oh, of oh, this is great. No, it kind of it, it tastes like um, no, but they did. The, what's really cool about this is they yeah. put lemon in it, so it doesn't taste horrible. Well, fish. Why did you get her the one with the lemon? That's not funny. No, it's good because otherwise the fish will by itself. <laughs> but this, mama will eat this. Mm. That's delicious. It's like really, it's like a lemon meringue pie. That wasn't the. She's supposed to gag on this. Well, no gagging here. This is delicious. All right. Bottom line. Apparently, mm. there are fish oil supplements that taste delicious. Yeah. These are awesome. If you're vegan, by the way, it doesn't have to be. You can still get um, DHA supplements uh, that are vegan that don't have to come from fish because DHA is also a part of this. And apparently, this one tastes great, and they also mm. make them in capsules. Again, it's about how the nutrient in this food is interacting with your genes and helping you to use fat for fuel. So there's, an, there's another one. Yeah. You could also just eat fish fish that's also but if you don't like fish like i eat wild salmon all the time all the time a lot because i don't eat a ton of other meat so i don't really feel i need a fish oil supplement but if you're not a big seafood person there you go now this one's not bad go to town okay so they did another study with pistachio nuts and they compared it to a host of other snacks and they gave people the same amount of calories in pretzels As they did with pistachio nuts. Mm-hmm. And pistachio nuts showed the group that ate the pistachio nuts. Hold on. I should read it to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let me read how much more they lost. Go ahead. Take your dun, time. Dun, 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 okay. They lost an extra two pounds over a 12-week period. All right. Well, that's not life-changing. But the reality is that they weren't exercising when they did this study. So imagine if you add exercise to the equation and The other thing about the pistachios, it takes a while to open up here. It's going to slow you down. You're not going to house a giant bag of (laughs) I've been opening them quite quickly. But that's the same as seeds, like sunflower seeds. It takes time to to open them up and chew them. Slows you down. Uh, Now, here's the reason why. And once again, it talks about affecting the expression of your genes, okay? So what this does, the pistachios essentially reduce the expression of the inflammatory gene IFN, which stimulates... Your fat burning response by 78%, apparently. Huh? And inflammation, of course, is related to not only obesity, but heart disease, cancer. So these guys are little anti-inflammatory bombs, apparently, which is great for your overall health. And as a snack, it takes you a while to get through it. So practically speaking, it's a lot better than housing a giant bag of pretzels. Good for you. Satiating. Huh? Fantastic. Ready? These are awesome. I know. See? Mm -hmm. And here's our last one, which... Okay, now you dig into that side. Oh, okay. <laughs> Figure out how to... 
You can... Pomegranates, okay? Pomegranates are great. Number one, you can't... <laughs> you can't cut them with a knife. Okay, the antioxidant pomegranate that is great for fat burning is called an anthocyanin. These little bad boys taste amazing, by the way. Um, Super good for you, all right? You don't need to worry as much about organic pomegranates, which is great. It's a super healthy snack because it's got such a a thick skin. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So I'd much rather you have something like a pomegranate with anthocyanins as opposed to blueberries because then you need to, I really am going to want you to go organic because of the thin skin. Yeah, you, and totally. And You have pomegranate all over your face. Well, and I know I've been close to where blueberries are grown, and you're right. There's a lot of sprays. Tons of sprays. Yeah, exactly. Unless you get organic. So this is great. Once again, it's time-consuming to eat. Oh, but it's fantastic. <laughs> but it tastes awesome. All right, so let me read you. Let me read you this stuff here. All right, so... What this does, the anthocyanins in the pomegranate essentially down-regulates the expression of the pro-obesity and diabetes gene. And it has the name. What does it do to that? I'm sorry. It down-regulates the expression of it. Essentially, it dampens the gene's expression to go towards obesity and diabetes. And the name of it is plasminogen activator inhibitor. That's what it is. (sighs) I don't know. I know. know It's super technical. Here's what you need to know. Pomegranates... Help you not get diabetes and gain weight. They take forever to open. They're also the anthocyanins and anthocyanin. (laughs) Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Done. I can't. The anthocyanins in the pomegranate are Mm -hmm. great, not only for fighting obesity, but for, of course, fighting up disease, cancer, heart disease, all that good stuff. So here you go. Snacks, right? Pomegranates, pistachio nuts, green little tea. healthy supplement, green tea to sip on throughout the day to not only manage your hunger, but keep your fat burning. And again, you can just eat fish, but make sure a great place to go, Monterey Bay Aquarium website. We'll talk to you about how to make sure there's not a ton of mercury in your fish, not a ton of toxins in your fish, and that it's environmentally sound. But wild salmon is always a safe bet. I recapped my tips and uh, I'm done. I'm good. I'm out. That was a good snack. This was a good snacking segment. Yeah. You can just go and leave me with my snacks. It wasn't about snacking. It was about fat burning. I know, but but this is, I know, but this this was a good snacking for me, for the fat burning. Okay, but this this was about foods that burn fat. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Do you really need to ask that question? talk to you about an article that was written in this year's April edition of Vogue magazine. And maybe you've heard about it. It's about a mom named Darlin Weiss who writes an article about her seven-year-old that is theoretically clinically obese. The child's 4'4". She weighs 93 pounds. She's seven years old. And she puts her child on a very strict diet uh, and even admits to at times deriding her daughter, ridiculing her daughter publicly, uh, and and we'll we'll get into a little bit more of the depth of what she does to her child in order to keep her from overeating and essentially help her lose the weight. But this has caused mommy bloggers across the country to be up in arms. I'm talking about nine thousand blogs. People are enraged and. The mom, Daryl Lynn Weiss, is not available for comment. I don't think that she ever anticipated this would spark such outrage. And in addition, the mom also got a book deal out of this. So 
people are pretty upset. And uh, this one, I think we need to speak to the experts. So I have brought Dr. Susan Bartell on. She is a renowned psychologist. She's an expert on babycenter.com. You've seen her on the show with us before. And I really want to turn to you, Dr. Bartell. Thank you so much, by the way, for coming on today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's a very important topic to really dig into, actually. So, Dr. Bartell, we all know childhood obesity is an epidemic right now. And so many different parents are struggling with how to manage this issue. What should they do? What do you think about this, this approach? Is this good, bad, dangerous? I think it's a, it's a very unfortunate approach. I'm sure that the mom had her daughter's best interest at heart, and I think that most parents do. However, resorting to depriving your child, to embarrassing her in public, to forbidding her from eating foods that other kids are eating is really going to result in her having such a long-term struggle with food that it'll probably backfire on her. Even though for now, she may have lost the 16 pounds that she lost, in the long run, it's going to invite an enormous struggle with food and and self-hatred of her body, actually, as well. You know, it's so interesting because this mom admits that she struggled with anorexia, she struggled with bulimia, and she talks about this part I thought was kind of shocking. She says, uh, as B grew, I was relieved to cross several items off my mental checklist of possible issues she might develop. She wasn't colicky, she wasn't autistic, she wasn't dyslexic, and I hoped that her weight would follow this pattern because I was in no position to serve as a role model. She's equating being overweight to autism and dyslexia. Right. right. Very, wow. very sad. And imagine B feeling like her mom feels that she has a disability when really being overweight isn't a disability. It's something that happens either genetically or because kids are you know, eating more than they're exercising. Mm. But certainly it's nothing on the level of autism or even dyslexia. And for this mom to communicate to her child that she's equating her, her body and her body image with something like that is again coming from her own place of disapproval of her own body, her own struggle of years and rejecting herself. But it's so sad that she's passing it on to B, who is an otherwise healthy child who needs to tweak her eating and exercise a bit and, and, and get a little healthier. Now, it's kind of interesting because she talks about her motives in this one paragraph. And she says, children who are obese are more likely to suffer from lower self-esteem, negative body image, depression. Uh, you know, in signing on to a lifetime of obesity, one study found that 80% of overweight adolescents are still obese at 25. And she goes on to talk about being concerned that her child will be ridiculed in school. Yeah. So you're seeing that her intentions are to save her from all of these, this negative self-worth. And it it sounds as though, is it conceivable that she's trying to, she's projecting her own issues onto the kid and is in in turn creating creating them, loving her the wrong way? Is that possible? Well, it's very complicated because she's not wrong. Kids who are very overweight do tend to be depressed more often, have social struggles more often. Those are correct statistics. However, the way she's going about helping B is actually going to trigger those same things as well. And certainly for a child who has an eating disorder, which I feel it's almost guaranteed that B is going to end up with some kind of eating disorder, those issues are much more prominent and much more resistant to change. Whereas if you start out in a healthy way, helping your child gradually lose weight over time and stretch out as they grow without dramatically restricting them, you're going to allow them to learn to have a healthy body image 
healthy body and they won't become depressed and they won't develop low self-esteem. So you can have the best of both worlds or I think as what has happened in this case, she's almost dooming her child either way to, to all these psychological issues that she's hoping to avoid. Now, it's one thing, right, to, to handle your daughter in this way where you're, you're sort of publicly chastising her, you're putting her to bed without dinner. Um, and women, are, women across the country are calling this child abuse. Is this, is this child abuse? You know, Jillian, or is it I misguided? Yeah, I don't think I would call this child abuse. I really, you know, the child is really in a bad position with this mom, but mm-hmm. I think it's coming from a good place. I don't think she's putting her in a position to endanger her physically. I think that calling a child abuse is a little bit extreme, but I think it is endangering her psychologically, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily helping her in the long run to develop those emotional and self-control sort of restraints that she will need to help her be healthy. It's doing it in a very destructive way, but I'm not sure that I would go as far as to say that it's child abuse. Okay. You know, it's so interesting. I I think that our first, as the layman, your first reaction is to think that the parent's a sadist. You know, I I remember one time I had worked with a mother who had a a two-year-old who was like 120 pounds, and I thought, this woman's woman's a sadist. She's a sadist. And I, I came to learn after speaking with her that it was her own struggles with weight and, and this, right. you know, like she validated herself through feeding the child and thinking the child needed her. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't that she was evil. It's just that she had so many of her own issues and she was putting them on the child and in turn creating it in the way that what you've talked about here. So I, I like that it's, you know, it's not child abuse per se, but it's dysfunctional right. then would be the word. It's correct. I, I think that's extremely perfect, that word, it's dysfunctional. And for parents, particularly those who have either an eating disordered history themselves or who are overweight, they need to look closely at their own relationship with food Mm. and what their family, their sort of their growing up family's relationship was with food and the role that it played in their lives before they try and help their own child. Because otherwise they're likely to pass down from generation to generation that dysfunctional, disordered relationship with food, which is, I think, what this article really describes very, very well, that that's what's happened. And you can break the cycle. If you're someone that you feel does not have a great relationship with food, you need to get help for yourself before you help your child. And and that's not something to be ashamed of. That's something to feel good about doing for yourself and for your family. I have another question for you. So yeah. back in the day, when I was doing a lot of personal training. I would have the occasional parent who would come to me and talk to me about their kid who was overweight. And it was almost as though the parent felt ashamed that the child was overweight and as though it was a reflection on them that they weren't a good parent. And I could tell that the kid, when I would talk to the kid, felt like my mom's ashamed of me and almost rebelled against the parent. And I'm wondering, like, do parents feel shame about this? And if so, is that the, the compulsive need to fix the child? I must fix the child. Uh, do you, is that about the parents' issues of feeling insecure, or what's going on there? Do you know what I'm? Well, I agree. About? I agree with you. I see that as well in my practice. I have parents. Lots of parents come to me feeling embarrassed and ashamed, and somehow that they've created this, and that they're a right. bad parent. And also, I think some of them feel embarrassed because it's such a it's something you can see so easily when a child is overweight. So they feel that other people are looking at them, and, and other people are judging them. The truth is that a lot of overweight is genetics. 
And the other part of overweight is, again, eating too many calories and not getting enough exercise. It's a pretty simple statistic that you know better than I do. But it's not something as a parent to feel embarrassed about. None of us come with a manual as parents. And we all need to learn what it is we haven't been doing right and how to fix it. And as long as we're open to that, we don't have to feel embarrassed. We don't have to feel like we failed as a parent. Kids are very resilient. And we have to learn the skills and the tools to help them get where they need to be physically and emotionally in a way that's going to be useful to yourself as a parent and supportive to yourself, your child, and not to feel embarrassed or or feel bad about it, because those kind of guilty feelings are wasted emotions that aren't going to help you or your child. God, I love that. Now, one in three of our children is obese in this country. Let's talk about what we can do. Let's give these parents concrete tools. How should they go about helping their child lose the weight, stay fit, stay healthy? Okay, so first of all, you want to remember, especially with young children, but even with older ones, that this is a long-term process. It's not something that you need to accomplish in a week or a month. It's something that you're going to do gradually. If you overhaul your entire refrigerator and pantry in one night, your children are going to rebel. Mm. It's It's not only about overweight. That's the other thing. There are kids who are thin and who are appropriate weights who still don't have healthy insides because they're eating so much junk food. They're yeah. just health, They're just fortunate enough to have a metabolism that burns it off. That's right. So you want to think about doing this for your whole family. You don't want to pick one child out that needs to lose weight, put them on a restrictive diet, and then let everyone else eat what they want. Your goal is to gradually, over time, replace the less healthy things with the healthier things as a, as a goal for your whole family in your home. That being said, realistically, you still need to allow your child to be a child. So they're going to go to birthday parties. They're going to go to bake sales. They're going to go to friends' houses. And so you need to start talking to them about being able to eat the things that they want to eat, but doing it in proportion and then not making them feel bad about it. Mm. The last thing, not the last thing, the next thing you want to do is you want to make sure your kids are getting enough exercise. Now, kids aren't going to go to the gym and they're not going to lift weights and they shouldn't even be doing that when they're little. They need to be outside playing. They need to be on the jungle gym. They need to be riding bikes. They need to be, you know, chasing each other around the yard. And you need to be out there with them because what's going to help your child more than anything is feeling like you're in it with them. So you should be pushing them on the the swing, riding bikes with them, walking around the neighborhood, you know, looking for, for cool things to pick up and bring home. All of that is exercise, but it's fun. So your child will want to do it. And then the next thing, and this is the one that parents hate the most, is you have to restrict the screen time. You got to restrict TV, computer, handheld screens, because all of those kids spend hours a day on them. A maximum of two hours a day combined screen time is really what most kids need. Don't put a TV in your child's room because kids with TV in their room are shown to be overweight much more often than kids who don't. And you got to just pull the plug on it sometimes. And that's when your, your child should be outside playing. Why so, do you say that parents hate that the most? Because they want to use the TV to keep their kids occupied. Oh. They don't want to fight that fight. They don't want to say to their child, no, you can't watch TV because the child will scream and yell. And sometimes it's hard being a parent. It's hard to say the no's and it's easier to say the yeses. So often parents just want to say yes as often as possible. Plus, you know, we all have very busy lives. And it's easy, especially if you're little kids, to just let them sit and watch TV while you're throwing dinner together or while you're yep. paying the bills. Got it. But in the long run, that's not best for your child. 
Wow. That's okay. That's very interesting. I, you know, cause I haven't struggled with trying to get emails in and having yeah. to, I can definitely see where it would be easier to just put them in front of, you know, yo gabba gabba. Oh yeah. It's like, exactly. here you go. Go here. Watch this. Let me do exactly. what I need to take care of. That's, that's very interesting. And, and it I, is okay to do it, but limit it to two hours a day. Right. So of course. balance all of it, balance. You know, you mentioned, you say that you need to get out there with your kid. You need to be doing this with them. And yep. it's so funny because here, this lady says, I'm in no position to serve as a role model. And I wonder, do you think that's an issue for many parents that don't have that intrinsic self-esteem themselves that are struggling with their own weight that are feeling like, I, I don't get outside, I don't exercise, I'm no role model to this kid, when that seems like it's one of the most primary things you need to be doing. How would a mom overcome that? Right. And in fact, there is research that shows that one of the things parents feel most is that I'm overweight, I'm not healthy, how can I do this with my child? Well, here's the thing. Remember what I said before. Kids are very flexible. They can... They can really embrace change. So it's okay if you're not at a great weight. It's okay if you aren't perfect. All you need to do is get out there and try. And it's even okay to say to your child, you know what? I'm not a great exerciser. So I'm not, you may laugh at me when I'm riding this bike, but I'm going to try anyway because I want to get healthier. And your child will love that and respect it and recognize that you're in it with them. I love that. I think as a society, we have to recognize that struggling with weight is not something that people do on purpose. It's not something that they do because they're bad parents. And so that judging them is just going to put more pressure on them. And what we really need to do is be supportive, be helpful, be open to hearing what people's struggles are. Because the truth is, we all struggle with something. If we don't struggle with weight, we struggle with something else, especially as parents. <laughs> Life is very complicated. And Boy. there is no useful reason for us to be judgmental of other people. We need to just take care of our own lives and our own families and be supportive of everyone around us. So you guys, you heard it here. This is not about shame, about you being a bad parent or you not being a good role model. There's no such thing as something that's irreversible in this particular situation. It's tomorrow's always a new day. And by you, I'm taking from you that by you being strong, setting boundaries, getting involved with your kids, being a good role model, teaching and educating them and creating that balance with these kinds of foods is the yeah. best thing for you to do. But never 100%. shaming, ridiculing, never strict never. diets and never humiliating. Correct. A hundred percent. You're right on with all of it. And yeah. what about last question, Dr. Bartel, because yeah. I know you very, have a very busy practice. This has gone to a new level with B. This has now gone public in Vogue magazine and uh, television shows across the country. Right. Uh, what about this kid? How, how does this kid recover from this? What would be your advice to her mom now? You know, my best advice is really for this mom to get some treatment for herself. To, and maybe she is, but I would so suggest that she see a psychologist, that she sit down, that she really try and separate out her own historical family issues with food and weight yeah. from the way she's parenting B. And I'm sure she'll, if she does that, she'll recognize that there's so many other healthier ways to embrace B and help B feel good about herself one, no matter what her weight is, yeah. and two, to really recognize that just because she's lost the weight, she's still the same person, and she still 
you know, could gain the weight again in the future. And we don't want her mom to reject her if that happens because right. weight is such a struggle for so many people. So really, I would love for this mom to, to try and get some help in figuring out how to just be a mom to be in a way that's going to be good for both of them. Dr. Bartell, thank you so, so much. If you guys want more information from Dr. Susan Bartell, you can go to babycenter.com. However, I love this book. So if you are struggling with a child that's overweight or if your family's unhealthy and you're feeling lost, you know, we can point you in the right direction. We can give you some really good tips when we do these segments. But if you want more, get Dr. Bartell's book. It's Dr. Susan's Fit and Fun Family Action Plan. You can find it at any bookstore, Amazon.com. I loved it. I can't say enough good things about it, and I guarantee it will help you if it's something that you're struggling with. Dr. Bartell, as always, you are a rock star. Thank you so, Thanks. so much. We really it's great being here with you. And uh, Angie is waiting to talk to you. Awesome. Hi, Jillian. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I was calling because I was curious about how often you should change up your workout. Um, I know that you're supposed to maybe stick the same routine for a while um, and then maybe change it up from there. I kind of do a different thing every day. Okay. Well, So I didn't know if I was changing up too much or when you should kind of for that well to be honest with you if you change it up every day there's nothing yeah. wrong with that nothing wrong okay. with that um what i would say two things one uh i don't like for people to do the same thing for more than two weeks okay. and i certainly don't like them to do the same workout every day um now if let's say for example if i'm giving them um a workout video right like ripped in 30 well there's yeah. four workouts that are meant to last somebody a month so every week I'm progressing them. But in a perfect scenario, they would have body revolution, which means that they, you know, each week has three workouts. So you're not doing the same workout every single day. You're only doing the same workout two times a week with days of rest in between. And you've got a cardio workout. And then in two more weeks, the workouts change again. So in my uh, in my opinion, the way that I've structured body revolution where you're changing the workouts every two weeks, but every day you're not doing the same workout is ideal. The only thing I don't love about like you just like scatter shot with the workouts, like one day I do yoga and the next day I do boot camp. And the next day, like my only concern is if you're doing it like that, that your muscles aren't getting enough rest, which has nothing to do with variety. It's like if you're doing yoga, right, we're pounding your shoulders. Because you're, you know, yeah. you're in plank and you're in down dog and you're in handstand and you're in headstand and you're, you know, in chaturanga. And so we're like chest, shoulders, tries, boom, 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 boom. Okay. Well, the next day, if you're doing boot camp and you're like push-ups, you know, inverted push-ups, dips, push-ups, you're training the same exact muscles. Okay. So you're not allowing those muscles to rest and recover. And rest and recover is a an integral part of uh, your progression 
in your exercise regimen. Those muscles have to rebuild and repair. And if you're training them again the next day, they're not getting that recovery time, which is so critical. So that's my only bit of advice is when you're structuring this, like I do something different every day, try to make sure it's something that isn't hitting the same muscle groups. Okay, that sounds good. And rest those muscle groups two days in between training if you can. So like if you did chest and shoulders and triceps on Monday, try not to do them again until Thursday. Okay, so if I was to do like um, like DVDs, I have a bunch of your DVDs. I have, I have everybody's DVDs. I've got a huge collection. Okay, and I seem to start like a program, like a P90X, or working with your videos. And I I get a couple weeks in, and then I I don't know if I freak out or what, but I just kind of change it up. So I never really follow through the whole program. Um, so if I was just to look, stick I, to a couple I of love those, that you're working out. I love that you're working out, and I love that you're like, and you're mixing it up probably because you're just bored, yeah. to be truthful. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to. In fact, what I love is that if you were doing Body Revolution, I would ask you to stick to it, right? Because there's I, the way I structure that is very specific. I don't want extra training over what I gave you. I don't want you messing up the muscle splits. I want to make sure there's recovery time. But let's say you've got ripped in 30, right? I would much rather, like if you were like, well, Jill, I did ripped in 30 Monday and Thursday, and then I did um, yoga DVD or Zumba DVD Tuesday and Friday. I'd say great. I'd rather okay. you do that than the exact same workout for seven days. But okay. what I don't want to see is just that. Like my, I don't want you training the same muscle groups back to back. So like one of my issues with P90X is. You know, one day he's got you doing extremely heavy bicep. You're like, okay, now we're, we've done all this stuff. Now we're going to do heavy biceps. And it's like, okay, great. Then the next day on the workout, you're doing pull-ups. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, that's not efficient. Just the day before that, you did heavy biceps. And like biceps assist back. So with the splits and the way that you design the muscles that you train and in what sequence, that's the one thing that I want you to be mindful of is making sure that you've got rest and recovery so that when you train those muscles, they're ready to work and work hard and that they get their rest and recovery time. So that's it. That's the only thing I would tweak. So if you notice, like, gosh, I did my P90X workout and I hammered my back. And then I do Jillian's ripped level four and there's a ton of rows in there. I shouldn't do that. You know, switch it to Zumba or something where you're not hitting back that day. Does that make any sense? Yeah, perfect. Excellent. Good, then. Uh, All right. <laughs> have a great day. All right. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. <sighs> the science is very important. That's the problem with the standalone videos. Like, I love, yeah. I, I can do a great job for people and I can get them great results with, you know, ripped in 30 or killer buns and thighs. But it, they do need, you do, you can't do the exact same work at every single day, nor should you. So that's why, like, with ripped in 30, I'm like, okay, every week we're going to change it, you know, mm-hmm. or I'll give them a DVD and there'll be three workouts on it now. Like, all my DVDs have three workouts, if not four workouts. And if there's two workouts, it's because they're 45 minutes each. So I try to make it so that people do have the variety in a standalone DVD. But the one thing that I love about Body Revolution is that it's as though I was your trainer. Because I can say, no, we train these muscles on Monday and we're not training them again until Thursday. And, you know, we started out doing this. We need to progress you into that. It's and a plan. It's a plan. It's a plan. Yeah. yeah. Which it's hard for people to do when they don't have that information to know how to do it. So just keep in mind, don't train the same muscles, same days in a row. Make sure you get your recovery in. And variety is key. Don't do the same thing for two weeks in a row. That's it. Uh, Done. 
I feel I feel like a better person today after this information. I bet you do. In fact, I think I've elevated your status in the world exponentially in every way. <laughs> just just by the sheer halo effect of my... <clears throat> I don't know how I'll ever repay you. You won't. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Everybody in my life is thankless. Oh, no. I'm very grateful <laughs> to you. I am. No, no. <laughs> no, say duly do. I don't want to say that. Okay, okay, you don't have to say truly do, but you can say that the end of the show now, and we'll see you next week. We'll chat to you next week. We won't see them unless oh, they're on Daily Dose. Oh, we'll, we'll converse here. We'll converse here in a week. Yeah, if you want to see us, you got to check us out every day at noon on the day. Well, they don't have to check in at noon. That's when the new one comes out at noon. If you want to see us on Daily Dose for all new content, you can go to our little segments there. If not, you can listen to us here. Even though they're different materials. Yeah. I'm done. Oh, my God. Make me stop talking. Well, God, jeez. Stop trying. talking. I've been trying. Giant. None of the signs I'm work. I'm done. I'm okay. over. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> She's got stickers on her locker. And numbers, numbers, they're a magic marker. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. <laughs>